Crash Chords Podcast. We've got special guests with us today. The Wall Street players have returned to join us. I'll let them introduce themselves at the top of the podcast. Anytime, guys. Oh, I'm Doug, also known as Who's He What's. I'm James, the Profit Prophet. I'm Alon. You can call me Future Money. Uh, flashbacks probably of hearing that at least eight or nine times. The first time they appeared on the podcast. That was 20 some odd weeks ago. Pretty long time. Very good, Steve. I'm just... We've been around a while, all right? We Can have. you comment on that? Yes, we have been around a while. Yes. <laughs> you were like a year younger back then. It's yes. true. You were like half a year younger because it was a half a year ago. Yeah, but I traveled through time. That's true. He's got You're point. aging too this, fast. This has many, many rings of deja vu. I think we had this discussion. I think it's called jamais vu. It's the opposite of deja vu. I'm not taking this seriously. <laughs> yeah, no, not even a little bit because I won't no, actually... jamais vu is a thing. It's a real thing. Look it up. Now? Now? You, now? No, don't look it up now. Did they make a movie about it with Denzel Washington? <laughs> Probably. Okay. Denzel Washington's like been awesome. a lot of things. Okay. Training anyway, yes. that's very true. Um, so today's album review uh, is brought to us by the Wall Street Players. It's an album that they favor. That Sponsored? Are they paying for this? <laughs> hope <Yeah>. not. <laughs> oh, I should have uh, spoken about that behind closed doors. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, guys. This was the yeah. Paper Chase. This is the name of the artist, and, oh, the band, and the album is Hide the Kitchen Knives. This is, you said, along like 10 years old or something? It's from 2002, yes. Okay, so about, about 10 years old. 10 years. Um, and uh, I guess we'll just get right into the first track, which is I Did a Terrible Thing. Um, right off the bat, when I heard this track, it was definitely... Interesting, to say the least. What was that thing playing in the background? Was that an escalator? <laughs> you know, I was trying to think, figure that out for the longest time. It was Can like, you fill us in? It was like some sort of tool. So, well, one thing I'll fill you guys in on there. that I didn't want to mention beforehand. Uh, I, and suddenly uh, the whole album makes a lot more sense. No, no. <laughs> that still doesn't make that much more sense. The, the um, album will also probably make more sense when you realize the the singer... <laughs> was going through a, a very brutal divorce, if you haven't figured that out, from listening yeah. to the song, and this is sort of his release into it. So this is sort of his... Yeah, there's a lot of angst ...message here. to his, his ex-wife. No, angst isn't here. Anger's here. Pure, pure Yeah, it's not That's true. Angst, angst is far too anger, immature. This is... This and, is and hatred. This is existential deprival. Yeah. That's what this is. It, it might be the best breakup album ever. It's very um, emotional. It's definitely... I mean, the first track was... very a bad breakup. A really bad breakup. Well, the first track was definitely very theatrical in just its sound and this kind of over-the-top presence that it provided with the piano. I, I still think Aladdin is a better breakup album, but it Aladdin? was yeah, it was great. It was great. No, no, no. We're no, not going to just not cruise on past going that. on that note. <laughs> I just wanted to be a uh, pain in the butt. I was no, this had... No figure. From the get-go, I really saw similarity in the terribleness of his voice to Modest Mouse, and it's, it's a great kind of terrible voice. Okay, I'm going to take that, but take it one step further, because I could not stop thinking this entire album how much it reminds me of Jamie Stewart from Shushu. Now, I've actually mentioned this band before. I've mentioned it to you, John, because when we were having our What is Art conversations, I'm not the biggest fan of Shushu. And they are kind of uh, right on that edge of being just a little bit too artsy. But 
this band kind of walks that line. The voice is very, very, very similar. Well, I brought this up when uh, when I when I first really heard the singer was, and they were out probably around the same time. But I mentioned uh, a, a song specifically at the drive-in, saying called "One Arm Scissor," which was very much this kind of almost screamo, but not really borderline kind of chaotic and all over the place kind of sound. And they definitely. Uh, the Paper Chase kind of fit that sound very much, and I think it was from around the same time. Even the title sounds like it belongs in this album. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very, very dark. One arm scissor, yeah. Very dark, very emotional lyrics. It had fantastic build-ups to some really nice dropouts. Very visceral. Yes. That's the word that just kept coming at me the entire time. Uh, yeah, I agree completely. Like One of the most emotional emotions I felt during listening to this album was almost a sense. I almost always feel uncomfortable. Like, not like I don't want to hear it, but like my body physically goes into a feeling of discomfort. Yeah, no. And as far as I'm concerned, that's success I, right I, I got that towards the end of the album, especially yeah. when I started to get tired of some of the longer songs. They weren't necessarily bad. They were just going on a little long for me. I started to feel anxious. Yeah. Because like the song wasn't over yet and there was this kind of emotion coming from it that li- literally... The music made me anxious. Yeah, it's dissonance, it's discord, it's it's like nails on a chalkboard at times, grinding. It's it's very, very uh very out there. Yeah. But I mean it was even also, to... it's also a little scattered and a little cluttered at aspects. And we'll, this song we'll get to this form, song did yeah, this. Yeah. But this um, song was that and and uh where those hands been? It's where have those hands been? Oh, I forgot which is word. an actual sentence. Where have those hands been? <laughs> um, which I, I opened it with slapped in the face by guitar. Like it just comes in with this heavy discorded guitar that that was actually very good in this kind of. There was this theme in this album that they played bad notes well, in a sense that it was very discorded, but it worked in the way they were putting it together. But there are no bad notes, man. There simply aren't. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean by there bad are only notes. good notes played badly. That is all there is. Well. No, no, this is the opposite. This is bad notes played very, very well. But I gotta say, the voice was not nearly. As <laughs> so good. essentially, what Steve said, John said no. This is what I say. Yeah, no, Steve's wrong on this. this these were really bad yeah. notes played ex- extremely well. I'm this sorry, song... professors of the past. I'm sorry. Steve, Steve makes a good point though. He's right. There's no such thing as a bad note. But yes, it was played very kind of haphazard and hectically and and, and discordedly. Well, we were basically just told this is a breakup album. This is this is which explains the franticness yeah. too of the, how some of the songs went as yeah. well. I mean, that's the thing. Some of this might not you might not be able to get away with it if it was simply oh an art piece for the sake of an art piece with no clear story behind it. As long as there is a clear story, then all of a sudden every single effect that they use makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Except for one effect, and this was the effect in this song. <laughs> Voice, the what? vocals, the vocals really suffered in some of these songs. See, okay, I'm actually going to agree with that. Yeah. I, I was not, as I said, I'm, I'm a little bit tainted by Shushu, um, and at moments I really just could not ignore the comparison. But I felt that the, the, the singing in this, borderline too whiny, I mean I've listened to my fair share of emo and screamo and all that other junk, and, and a lot of those singers like to just go... Balls to the wall, screaming. And, I know people and he that didn't really only get listen to that. to that stuff. I right. know people where screamo yeah. is their primary but, but, but genre. But what I'm saying is, but what Steve, screamo's awesome, like that kind of bad. But, but my point is, is that oh my god, this lead singer <laughs> really a lot never like this person. I know, <laughs> but he didn't get whiny. No, yeah, he right. almost got whiny. He would scream a bit and yeah. almost got whiny. He kind of rolled that line, which is what kind of no. kept me intrigued. 
he got whiny. He this didn't. song was whiny. This song was screechy. Mm. It was just screechy. Yes, whiny. There's a difference. There's, there's another song. I like don't know the, that he was particularly whining because there was too much anger. And not we'll enough. Get to it. Okay, no, this is like existential, existential angst, not the immature angst. Like, what is this old life that I must live? Sort of whining. But you can't just say whining because that makes it sound like he got a paper cut. Interesting yeah. that we go back to paper. Papers and knives and <laughs> your jokes are so awesome. I love them. I didn't see that one. Not at all. Moving on to track three. I'm going to spend the rest of my life lying. Much better vocals. I really enjoyed the lyrics of this track. And it's when I started uh, noticing a theme in the entire song. Uh, in the first few songs, um, started getting references to things like Dirty Hands. Uh, I thought I caught a few references, uh, references to like Vipers. And things of that sort. I mean, there's an obvious connection through all these songs. Yeah, and, and also, it's very dark. I, I gotta yeah. say, like, on, on the lyrics you're saying, this this song, number three, that you're talking about, has one of my, my favorite lines in it. It says, um, don't say I never warned you when I set your house on fire. It's just so mm. kind of creepy and just, like, in the middle of the song, just throwing it out there, it's just sort of, just a, like a threat that's just... I just, bet that's your favorite that line, in. isn't it? Yes. It is. It is. <laughs> the, the, this song, though, also, I mean... Also, also consider yourself warned, Matt. Yes, thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> this song, though, also, like I wrote down, and me and Steve kind of said this almost simultaneously, that it had a very much a Primus feel, especially with the guitar and bass, except the only difference was, in Primus, typically, the guitar takes lead and the the erratic guitar is background whereas in this the erratic guitar was in the forefront and the bass kind of took a background but it still stylistically was kind of similar to Primus yeah I'd agree with that just um I also noticed one other little thing here they they toned down the discord just a bit and they actually had more of a steady rhythmic pace that's what I felt really really kept this going is that even though they can be really really harsh at times it's kind of upbeat in a way. It has something that you can kind of tap your foot to. It has this driving tone about it. I heard like early '90s alternative here. Stephen Malkmus came to mind actually. It also in the, in the quirkiness. I think I think that's what actually allowed the vocals to get stronger presence in the album. It, it allowed me to really start enjoying the terrible things he was singing. Yeah. Uh, it it it, it let me connect not just on a instrumental level but a vocal level, a lyrical level with the actual song. Yeah, and I think that's what really, it's a sort of its saving grace that allows it to stay within the dirty side of alternative rather than that super artsy other category of music. And next track, I, I thoroughly found to be very on the nose. It was, it, was, it was most appropriately named track on this album. So, so my biggest problem with 4 is this is where they kind of started to lose me. I'm not a huge fan, and we've brought this up during Flowbots, is... Interludes, you know, 30 seconds to a minute for the sake of being an interlude kind of tend to lose me. I'll admit their interludes on this album, though, were kind of more songy. They weren't just speaking parts. There was actually still kind of a rhythm to them, which kept me a little interested. But a lot of the sound bites and the talking, like, I didn't really love. Um, track 6 did a little better, and we'll get to that later. But but for this one, Track I was four, just kind of not terribly interested in a nice it. family dinner for once. This was you you just heard the anger between the husband and wife or boyfriend girlfriend sitting across the table from each other, not trying to show it in front of the kids or something like that. You heard you heard the fork hitting the plate a little bit too hard, like it was 
it was great for an interlude. I thoroughly loved this yeah, one. Yeah, I have to completely agree with John on this one. I think this was a very appropriate interlude, to be honest. It, it wasn't that it was songy or anything. It was that th this was actually a true, solid, brief art piece. It had a distinct image that they wanted to create, and they created it with music. And I think without it's kind of rare that we see that. Song. Exactly, without any music. And that, that's, no. that's when music really, really achieves that that fine point if you could see him, I was doing the do Italian. Not, do not do the kiss. <laughs> do not do the This kiss. is a podcast, not visual. The opposite of visual. <laughs> that is the most get Italian it, thing you've it. ever done. I will yeah. admit, though, I like know, I said, I think that the interlude well, stuff is more of a personal thing. I don't think that it was bad, per se. And the, and the mixing, I mean, and I can say this at this point in the album, because we're track four, we've done some fade in, fade out, and, and not, not even fade in, fade out, but like uh, blending between tracks. The mixing between tracks is... Almost perfect throughout the entire album, just well, the way the tracks blend together. I'll tell you what, just to, just to speak to your point here, even though I don't agree with it in this particular instance, uh, John mentioned earlier that he wasn't a fan of a lot of the uh, other little interludes that they interspliced throughout the whole album, such as sound bites of people talking overhand. Right. That kind of stuff, I'm inclined to agree, did get a little bit redundant after a while. I'm not sure that always achieved what they set out to achieve, but... Um, it became a little bit filler on some songs. Yeah, I felt Last, that. Like 30 seconds on, on in the beginning or 30 seconds on the end. Nice little instrumental thing that ends up not actually being a part of the song as a whole. Well, I think one thing to say to that is it's not that it's part of that one song as a whole. It's part of the album as a whole. Like, we have an interlude, but it's not an interlude that stands by itself. The whole album being done as one piece because everything kind of blends the way that transitions, the way the right. words repeat. It's an interlude part of a song, but the song is 48 minutes long. I'll give you that. I'll yeah. give you that. But it still has distinct sections. Oh, of course. Like, because, like, yes. This is not oh. the same thing as other albums. That w It really is a solid piece. Oh, there are I, I'd tracks. say this is, this is distinct movements. Yeah. Whereas like um, something like you had mentioned off the air, The Decline by um, No Effects, which is very much one giant song. Like there are highs and lows, but all in all, the decline is one. What is it? A half hour song or yeah. something? Like it's just one giant song. In fact, I, we discussed yeah. earlier the Tain. Uh, oh, the Tain is is one giant song as With well. Even though parts. it does have movement. Actually, that's something more I'd say is our movements. This is not movements. This is actually tracks. Right. These are With tracks. Transitions. Some do stand by themselves. But right. I'm just saying because the way they blend together, you can forgive the longer pieces of silence and even the spoken word that happens because they're part of a larger piece. Yeah. And even if you're in a relationship. That you don't really care about, what are you really hearing during your relationship? Not your conversation because you're not talking. You're hearing your TV on in the background, the radio playing, because your conversations that you have are not part of the story. So you see it as sort of the, the noise that clouds your judgment at times? Yeah, or, or, I, or, or the only conversation left is the ones that you hear around you. I, I could buy that to some extent. I suppose I just felt it was slightly overused. That's, that's, the only point I'd leave. I'd leave it at that. <laughs> but I'd go with if each song were really by itself, I'd agree with you a lot more. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, and Fair I mean, enough. something like this also, and we'll we can talk more of this as we get to the end, but this is definitely clearly an album where listening on shuffle <laughs> or listening to it like one song on a playlist, not really going to work as well as the album as a whole. A great example is in track five, Don't You Wish You Had Some More. This was probably the most mainstream of the, of the tracks thus far. It had a very white stripe sound. It revisited this dirty theme that's building throughout the album. And we uh, use the term mainstream loosely because it still wasn't mainstream by stand like standard mainstream of current music. This was, to be honest, I'd go back to what I said earlier. I think this is that 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 um, more rhythmic side of alternative. Yeah, that's that's this. You might find on like the AM local radio stations. 
that nobody really listens to except for those three guys and the guys. Parents. Hey, I found some great like <laughs> I found some great like 1950s era Cuban music on those stations. You would look for that. <laughs> Four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no. The, the funny thing with this track is you even say that the rhythm is more mainstream, yet in the song, they, one of the, the lines those, is there is no cadence is actually a line in this the, track. The piano. Mm. The piano broke up that, that almost <laughs> generic beat with a, a great in and out randomness of it. And this, this became a big theme in the rest of the album. The piano work really started getting much more of a forefront, much more discord. Much, uh, it's like two separate hands were playing this. It's the way they use that piano. I think we've come across this a couple of other times. It's um, sort of popular these days to use it. It's funny, this is 10 years ago. That's that effect of a piano in sort of an empty auditorium mm-hmm. like that no one is listening to. And it's not even a really fine quality piano. It's like an old honky-tonk that you're playing in a, an old well, empty... It's like, very, very gritty. Like cursive is done, or...? Uh, perhaps something like that, actually. Well, that's like, and I'm not going to be able to remember the song now, but one of the final tracks on the Ben Folds 5 album was just him, the really sad breakup song that he does. Thank you for breaking my heart. Thank you for breaking my heart. Had yeah. that kind of feel, too, where um, it was kind of... That was the outro. Not as much so. That was still, that was still more, as I, I think that related more to the old standards. Yeah, that was controlled. That didn't yeah, have... True. I think I'm more talking about, uh, I want to listen to Beirut here. Yeah. No, yeah. Beirut, Beirut really used that effect the several times. Orchestra album. Holy cow. Yeah, oh. But I listened to a band album. that Steve brought up. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'm surprised I've never mentioned that before. In 20... T- I, it's one of my favorite bands of all time. They're great. It's been a while, yeah. but yeah, no, I listened to them. Yeah. Um, so, track six is the next track, which is I've Tried So Hard To Be Good, which was the interlude story I was talking about before, where it was kind of the spoken word, which I actually liked a lot better than, than track four, because I liked the spoken word. I thought it was very... It was different. I hadn't heard that on an album recently, and I liked kind of just the cadence that the the speaker had. The speaker wasn't a band member, was it? Do you guys know? No. No. This, this one, I actually felt the opposite. I really enjoyed the instrumental. I did not enjoy the spoken word. It was a little overbearing, I, I want to say, for this for the instruments. And was that actually a soundbite that they had taken from uh, another source? Uh, anybody know this, the answers to this? Well, no. No, this one? No, I'm not certain about this track. I know in future tracks they took soundbites, and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Right. It, it, was, it was a little creepy. I think no, it was no, the idea, It was though. real creepy. Yeah. But that was the idea. It was like creep, it was creepy. creepy. What he's saying is, I'll give myself away in in small bloody strips. Yeah, it's, yeah. This was creepy. You really have an attachment to those kind of lines. I'm noticing. Take <laughs> <laughs> your house on like fire. This. So, <laughs> so if we've learned anything today, it's that Doug is the most likely to murder someone in this room. Yep. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I actually wrote Don't down look for at this. Me when you say that, I wrote down for this one. Uh, creepy, trippy, Twilight Zone story. Like that. Yes, I would. That's I what would. it felt like. I could see yeah. like I could see that new version, not old school style, but the new Twilight Zone. <laughs> Were they yeah. trying to be edgy? Or they trying, but they're not quite doing They're it. not really edgy. So is that what you felt <laughs> about this then? Yeah, I think it was that voice that kind of just toned it down. That, that, that hurt it for me. Yeah, fair enough. I'll, I'll agree with that. I didn't quite get the full-on edginess. I, I was enjoying the the variety of sounds, though. That's one thing I'm really impressed with this band at, so far. Uh, they really use timbre very well. And that's spoken really well into the track 7, which is mm, what it yeah. goes right into, which is uh, a little place called trust yeah, where it just has a great use of random sounds and noises yeah, and it's not random and... it was distinctly blades well, this what was I mean? distinctly blade well, sharpening and grinding right. against themselves in the beginning and that was oh it brought it, it, it right really out it was very good i like that i like when a band i've always been a fan of bands using sound effects 
in a proper usage. We had actually spoken about this last week, I think, or two weeks ago, when I talked about a band using a shotgun cocking and a sound in a perfect break. Like, I like when bands do that, because it adds another level, I think, when you use household items yeah. or just items outside of music in a song. Yeah, because every single object on the planet has its own unique timbre, and we don't use most of it. We only use what's in the arsenal of instruments. Well, just like one of my favorite songs by the Chili Peppers, Breaking the Girl. I mean, the whole middle part of that song is them banging on random things in, 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 in the recording studio. Cans and, and pots and pans, and I, th I think stuff like that really lends itself to certain songs very well. Yeah. What's that T word you were using? Timbre. Yeah, why are we using that word this week? Why are we Explain this word to me, because I kind of know what it means, but I'm not sure. Alright, timbre is literally the type of sound that something's produced. For instance, I could play the same exact pitch and the same exact range on one instrument. Why does it sound differently on another? If I play an E on a piano, and I play the same exact E oh, okay. and the same exact range on a violin, why does that sound differently? It's because of a whole bunch of things. The attack, the fact that it's a, a string that's being hammered instead of uh, bowed or plucked. So it's saying it's the specific timbre is saying it's the specific sound, yeah, but more sure. technical. I wonder if we well, more, much more technical. Terms, it's a more fuzzy quality to music than a really than the scientific one. It's yeah, uh, and it's it's used a lot in this in this kind of stuff, like utilizing objects because a knife has a very very unique timbre, and when you rub one knife against another, that that's mm. such a good effect. And I don't I haven't heard that any. I like, wonder if NBC will sue us if I. Edit in the more you know sound, you know. And then da, 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 da. Ding. I don't, I don't think that singing ding is copyrighted. I don't think I, you can I don't copyright think so that. either, but <laughs> one never knows. Anyway, back to the song. Yeah. The knife beat piano worked so well in the beginning. It did. Yeah. Uh, and the it, they added some piano drum guitar solos. And with the and then with the lyrics back, they got rid of the guitar work and had the knives playing in the background. Like yep. it was, I also felt this was the most emo of the songs. <laughs> it's a artsy emo. I, I picked up on no, that. No, no, a little more dashboard emo. No, yeah. no, I not at all. You're that. wrong. Nope, in you're wrong. In his voice. No, in his wrong. voice. Nope, pulling the nope. gun. Nope, wrong. Yep, yeah. yeah, wrong. <laughs> Sorry, I'm disagree. No, the I... entire table disagrees with you. Actually, no, I'm not going to because there's a way that. Ha! Yeah, but he's also wrong. He's also <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Wait, no, but there's a way he does project these vocals in this song that like felt a, very dashboard. I, I, in a good way though, not in a bad way. Oh no, I I'm like not dashboard. So it's but it's also one. Oh wow, thanks, man. All right. First of all, this is the first time. Not all talk. This is the first time where we can actually talk about this subject in a way that is contemporary to the time in which they wrote this. Yes. Because we have brought this up before when we were doing bands like Eve Six and other bands we thought were pulling in this early 2000s, late 90s sound, in, even though it's a modern album. Uh, but this album is not a modern album. This album is 2002. Right. That's why it's kind of interesting. Like, we can't speak about this as being, oh, really, they're bringing that back? No, this was, this was yeah, the world. Was there, yeah, at the time, yeah. it was relevant. Okay, we'll go back to someone agreeing with me. What were you saying? So, there's a way he actually projects the vocals in this song where he's trying to actually have you hear them and not be blended away by all the sound. It's also one of the few tracks in the album that can stand by itself. And it's also right in the exact center of the album. It's track seven, which is almost at 13, but there are two short ones before it. So this whole album is really hinged on this track. And I feel like this is mm. one of the few tracks where if you just listen to this one song, you know the album. The yeah, other track, I agree. The other track that does this exact thing is the first track. I feel like the first track and seven stand by themselves. They don't 
better as the album, but they will work, and you'll know who the band is from hearing it. Okay, you can stand in for me any day of the week. I, <laughs> if I'm ever sick or something, we're calling you. I, I live on the hill. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but no, I, I mean, I do agree with that this song could stand alone, and I could put this on probably a mixed CD, and it would be all right on its own. It still gets a benefit from the rest of the record, but it could stand on its own two legs. I definitely agree with that. I still say it's on a whole other realm of artsiness than uh, Dashboard Confessional and anything oh. in that genre. They were speaking... Perhaps that's what I'm... That's that's what I tried to say earlier, yeah. is that because it was of the same era, they are taking something that existed at the time in the mainstream audience, and they art- artsified it. And I enjoy that. So kind of to turn negative into positive, John. No, I was just making the comparison between the vocals, <laughs> and I was not making it as a negative comparison. Fair All right? There's a strained vocal quality where it's sounding bad. There's another one of those times where you use a bad sound to sound good, using bad strained vocals well. Right. Yeah. Um, and anyway, after that love fest, <laughs> Sleep with the Fishes. Oh, track eight. This song was heavy on violin and kind of really nothing else. I mean, not necessarily I bad. No, there was heavy drum work that yeah, really complimented those I thought this was, a, this was a soundbite masterpiece, the way they blended those up. First of all, we had not heard violins yet in no. the album. Yeah, this right? was the first time. So that, that's, this is really, really well Oh, timed. this is the, like, the cool Requiem for a Dream break in the middle of the track song? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Love that. Yeah, I, I, I particularly enjoyed change. this. Wait, this that track. was from Requiem? No, no. but it reminds <laughs> me of the scene changes. This, this, there's the season changes in Requiem where it goes, whoosh, and it's, you hear the whole, uh, okay. it's amazing. You know what? That right there, that is the perfect explanation for this album. If you've ever seen, listeners, Requiem for a Dream. So if you ever want to be this. horribly depressed and miserable... Watch that movie or listen to this record. Or yeah, they're at the same time. Oh, I'm still on my list of Wes Anderson no. films to watch, actually. Still on my list. Anyway, the drums and violins. It wasn't Wes Anderson? Oh, wow. No, it was Darren Aronofsky. Darren Aronofsky. Great. Right, right, right. Wes is great, though. Anyway, yeah. yes. the yes. violin. Fantastic. While we're on this low first. The violin uh, bit voice combination was great. The drums introduction was great. I felt this was a little bit too long. I was getting a little bored by the end of it, but it was a great. It's like a, a set art piece for a track. Yeah, this was um, this was edgy enough that I didn't mind the length here. Uh, I, I don't know. I kind of just took it for what it was, and I was I was glad to hear it at this point because uh, I guess this is sort of the point in the album where I was starting to the tone was starting to become a little bit static with me, just it a was, little bit. It was definitely a fantastic follow-up to yeah. uh, A Little Place Called Trust. I mean, it definitely, they complemented each other very well. They can stand apart, but it was definitely a great compliment to it to follow it up. Yeah. I think another Move the cool album thing, in a new direction. Uh, another cool thing with the, the Sleep with the Fishes, which, which quick, quick moment, I, there's, they don't say that anywhere in the it's, song. No. Although, yeah. you know, Sleeping with the Fishes, of, of course it brings images to mind and stuff. It's another dark story without saying anything but then in the songs coming up later on you're going to hear the words sleep with the fishes in numerous tracks that follow yeah, yeah very very italian brooklyn kind of a feel to it it was very <laughs> foreboding and foreshadowing in the, in this song for what's to come in the next couple songs hey, to wrap up the album don't scoff at it all right I'm making another tiny gesture to you. <laughs> it's a funny thing because, as you said, it, it's foreshadowing it. But if you know, if someone just said, "Hey, listen to this," and they just played the album, and you didn't know the name of the track, it would lose the foreshadowing because yeah. they never mention it. The name yeah. of it, they yeah. really but, just keep playing with the names of the tracks. But it's fun. Uh, not but. In addition, it shows it shows how the violins are going to become a theme in the tracks as well, mm-hmm. because um, okay, 
So, how goes the fuck? Uh, uh, track nine. Is track so, nine, better yet. <laughs> so, how goes the good fight? Is what John was trying these to say. These words are so long. There's so many of them. They're all together. Yes, I know. These words are all so long, like two and three and four letter words. That's a seven syllable title. One five. I know. So hard. Yeah, but seven, <laughs> seven syllables with seven words. Yeah, I know, and it's hard. Um, great <laughs> point about this track. Do you have anything you wanted to say about it? <laughs> Great guitar piano work. Yeah. Great yes, combination yes, of the two. I agree. Great breakdowns. I love the breakdowns. There was a nice there was definitely a nice flow to this song. And this is the song I saw the overall theme of their music. This is when I re- it really hit me hard. They have the same formula for all their main tracks. And interestingly enough, I thought that this had the most mainstream uh, chorus. And I say that only yes. um, in terms of the the chord structure. The chord structure is something you'd almost expect from sort of an anthem-type track, but it's like a discordant anthem. It's like this... Punky. Almost. almost. Actually, yeah, but, I'll buy but, that. But even this... I mean, even with the, the chord structure being very mainstream, yeah, almost... it's still very... The, the singing was still kind of discordant and very kind of all over the place. Yeah. And self-aware. It knows it's a song. Like, yeah. Like, this is a little song, a little song about trust. It's referencing itself, referencing mm. pre- previous songs. Can't mm-hmm. talk about artsy tracks without bringing in meta. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. It's, I, didn't make, <laughs> no. I didn't write the song. This album is all meta. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. And of course the other themes are Dirty Hands and also you get you get what you deserve. Snakes. Yeah. They come up. Yeah. Snakes was in this one. It was a little bit, it was again. Oh, like, the Vipers? Cheap. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. keep showing up. Yeah. Um, um, going into the next track though, track 10... This Ugh. track, yeah, no. but this track was almost my favorite. The big problem I have with this track, and and you guys probably will disagree with me, but just for me, like it, the beautiful piano started off like it was just so encapsulating, and I loved it so much. And then there were these these sound bites, which I mean they weren't bad per se, but for me, I was so lost in that piano, and then the sound bites as soon as they started pulled me right out. I of have it. to agree just with bounced, Matt here. Bounced me right back out of the we, song. We had to look up the sound bite and. Uh, Apparently, it's it was um, some some sort of it was a guy calling in uh, who had murdered a, a woman or a young girl, and he was calling up the the authorities to tell them where to find the body. Like he was giving driving directions uh, on oh. where to find the body. That, so it's actually a yeah. little more upbeat from the previous track. Yeah, <laughs> just slightly. Yes. Yes. So I don't know if that changes your impression of the track. Well, at all. I, I'm starting to feel like a bad of, person. But it kind of like leads that's, into the that's next how the few tracks. To make you feel. It's kind of I'm like starting the, to re- feel like we should act, read some Nietzsche or something. Of the act three of this album. Well, I, I think for knowing that though, Alon, like it doesn't make me forgive the sound bites. I still felt. For me, I would have enjoyed the song more without them. However, I understand now why they had them because it pulling me out of the song and jarring me to bring this this attention that it's a song and there's something going on here. It right. the content um, uh, definitely promotes the idea, so I can't I can't stay mad at the track even though I didn't personally love it because I'm, of that. I'm gonna stay mad at the track. I love <laughs> the piano. I really love the piano. And you know what? Probably because of how messed up the sound part is, the words are, uh, it's going to even, I think I'm thinking less of this track. Because this track was just thoroughly gorgeous with piano work. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really inclined to agree uh, with McCrash Curry's buddies in this one. <laughs> um, it, it, it really has, it's from the musical standpoint, yes, I love the piano. Oh, right, I play piano, so maybe I'm a little biased. But it's not just that. It's the whole tone of it had this whole 1920s German expressionism thing going. Expressionism. <laughs> it's German expressionism, which as far as I'm concerned is like the epitome of dark. If you want to reach that, that, that the finer points of existential Every angst. time you mention yeah. German expressionism, though, all I can think of is the Mike Myers sketch from Saturday Night Live. What was the character's name? Anybody remember? Where he had his hair slicked back and the glasses oh, were I do know who oh, you're yeah, sprockets. 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 Yep. Yep. And like that's what I think of when you say German expressionism. Even though it's not not exactly what you're going for, that's no, just the mental exactly. picture I get. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yes, yeah, a picture a bunch of a bunch of them sitting in a in a in an art studio wearing all black and like doing a lot of <laughs> being I, very depressed and, and and writing about it. So as far as I'm concerned, it pulled it off so well. I yeah. really, really did not want to be dragged from that because that brought out the album again. And yeah. all of a sudden, when you cut into the sound bites with the talking and everything, it, it's just, it's a little... I don't want to use the word distracting because there's a lot of other cases yeah. where they can use distracting well. They can... It's not that it's even uncharacteristic of German expressionism to all of a sudden just break away from the main theme and a woman screams and they dive down a deep black chasm. That's not uncommon of the genre. So right. maybe that's what they were going for. But it's sue possible. me, I like the sound. Yeah, I right. want to hear more of it. I can see you directing that video. <laughs> With a beret on and holding a cigarette in one of those big long holders, going no. It's called a cigarette holder. I'm eerily complimented. <laughs> um, but, but then those the track ends with the one of those clips slow also. Yeah, of the a slow circling of the drains. How it ends and goes right into the next song where it repeats and repeats. Yeah, and liver, a lung, a kidney, a thumb, which so, is all one word, and I got it out. And <laughs> I liked, and I liked the title of the track. Yeah. The song was good, but I don't know that I liked the song as much as I just liked the title because I like the rhyme of it. I'm a sucker for rhyme, and I. I really I, I just like the title but I, I, I this is proving we're a very shallow group but no, but, I like but, it I want more of it but no the funny thing about that what James brought up is that that repeating when it went into the next track it went from just repeating and being a soundbite to being really creepy like even yeah. creepier than it was this this was the angriest song my favorite song on the track what, what this I, is very menacing menacing is the next, word this is my favorites also this uh, and I've t spoke about this before I don't like hatred in music but this wasn't hatred towards any like specific group or biased hatred or anything like that. This was just him pouring anger and hate into a well, severe I, I'm, I'm drum sure guitar. Sure, there was probably some hatred against the the Y the X. Yes, but I'm I'm saying <laughs> I'm saying it, it's not advocating <laughs> hatred. He's getting it out of his system. Okay, all right. But it was it was this uh, a oh, hate. There was a little bit of hatred towards the the, the, the X. Yeah, 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 the X. You know the the last the last words of the song. Drive carefully, dear. Yeah, <laughs> which we'll get to. But oh, this had it had severe uh, drum bass guitar work with the softest piano yet, which was just accented the entire anger of the song, which was just incredible. Yeah, it was actually a really, really nice juxtaposition, to be honest, and I really enjoyed that. But, but at the same time, it was starting to, to call back everything else, and that it mentioned sleeping with the fishes multiple times and the nest of vipers it was, multiple times. It, it was, was the culmination was, of all this bile yeah. that had been building up. I, I want to I point out something 
since they mentioned it briefly, but you both said that this is your favorite track or one of your favorite tracks. Yeah. I, since you guys have obviously listened to it more than we have, I kind of want to hear from both of you, or all three of you, if it's one of your favorites too, Doug, why, a little, is. just briefly, why it's your favorite track. Um, I personally love, first of all, there's all of the symbolism in it. Like, there's a thing, like, the slow striking of the drain, the way it starts out, is the, one of the creepiest parts of the song where you kind of hear it going slow, circling the other end. It kind of just goes into this weird abyss. Now, audibly, it brings you into the song, on a really, really creepy note, but you also know what's going on. Things are getting worse, but you know it's getting worse. That's what's creepy about the slow circling drains. You know it's dying. Mm-hmm. And the other things, like the eight arms around you, well, it's like it's, not, it's an embrace. But the only embrace you can even bear to mention is the embrace of a spider, where it eats you out from the inside. And the death you have from a spider, you're alive through it. You feel yourself paralyzed, and you feel yourself die. And that's the embrace that's in this song. And the little nest of vipers, which is brought back, yeah. you're going into this like pit of you know vipers. It's like from from biblically forward, snakes are just this thing that are just bad. It's, which not, even, turns it's not even the you, You've got a vipers. baby on the way, right? It's a couple days. It's, <laughs> my, it's my little nest of vipers. Yeah, like, like your family. Is, yeah, like he is calling his his wife and his family a nest of okay. vipers. And yeah. the word nest. Just, yeah, like when you have a home, it's your nest. Like, there are these very uh, happy okay. things that are twisted. You are the creepiest group of people I've met this week. <laughs> this week? This well, week. We've met it's only Monday. I know. And, and <laughs> this is a Monday for them. Oh, my God. And, of course, Steve mentioned before What's the, the visceral quality of oh, some yeah. of the, And you get it right there in the title. Yeah, absolutely. You get the viscera. Like, there it is. Yes. You guys repeatedly... <laughs> the lung, the kidney. Like, yeah. There it is. There's the viscera. And repeatedly you said that this these songs can't come on random. They do on my iPod, and that's what my wife hits next. Because she just... <laughs> yeah. it just it's creepy. It I'm sure, around. yeah, and, it, and it's totally understandable. I mean, and even yeah. going into track 12, uh, Drive like Carefully, My Dear... The, yeah. last, the last words of track 11... 11 is Drive Carefully, Dear. So you're, you're pushed forward. From like ten on down, like every song ends with the next song's beginning. Yeah, and I th- I think that's an interesting trick. There was a there's a band that did something like that that was different. Not exactly the same thing, but um, I used to in the late '90s and early 2000s. I listened to a lot of Static X, and Static X had this habit of in their previous record there would be a line that would end up being the title of their next record. At first, I thought it was coincidence when I first heard um, their first record, which uh, I'm blanking on the name it's of. Wisconsin Death, Death Trip. Wisconsin Death Trip. And, they mention, and it's just they mention each title uh, up until Star of War. I don't believe Star of War was mentioned on the previous album. But for like the first three or four albums, the next album title was mentioned in the previous record on one of the songs, and I thought that was fascinating. Speaking of that, track before the eight arms around you and the spider thing the next album said the spider to the fly it's, yeah. it's probably the single from the next album yeah and exactly the same it's thing. just it's cool when when bands will allude to something and it, they're showing that it's just more than a clever lyric it means something and they're moving towards something it's very meta <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm gonna stab you if you say meta one more time <laughs> and yes, John just mouthed meta to me. So I didn't say it. Yeah, I know. Drive carefully, dear was mostly instrumental. It was setting up the final track. That's the, what drive carefully did. The it drums really, were great in this track yeah. too. I love the drums in this track. It really set up, which what might actually be my favorite track on the album. Out came the knives. This is the track where I. This is how they should always sing. 
This is has all the instruments they should always be using. It has the pianos. It has the violin. It has one piano hand playing a great deeper melody with the other hand having schizophrenia. Just doesn't know what it's doing. Schizophrenia is not a word. Schizophrenia. I heard it both ways. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, it had the drums. It had everything in it. This was a great finale. It's kind of like the album built up to this. Or it's like yes. the, the release is over. You're through the album and he was finally able to make this song. And I do not want to meet the individual who gets to this point. <laughs> because they're probably going to jail. He's scary. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, I, surprise, I surprise. think and there are a lot of artists that I've listened to that have clearly expressed themselves in music. Not to the same extreme as this, because this was clearly a more anger and like this lucid hatred and anger. But... Um, which album was it? I can't remember now, but one of Blue October's more recent albums, they have a song called The End. The End is this chaotic... I've played it for you before, Steve. Yeah. It's this kind of chaotic song, and the lyrics that Justin Furstenfeld wrote for it is essentially him having to sneak into his own house through his lawn barefoot because his wife and new boyfriend are having sex in the house, and he sneaks into the house to murder them. These are the lyrics, and he says it's not about him. When when I watched an interview about the song, it's actually about a story he read somewhere, but you can tell the way he's singing it. It's definitely, there's this kind of impression of his own life and misfortune on this song, too, and it's actually very creepy and eerie. Surprise, surprise, dark themes. I heard expressionism again here. Uh, I would really limit it to only these two tracks, uh, the previous one I mentioned and this one. This is this is where they bring out that, that musical theme, which is very, very indicative of 1920s. Uh, I would not call it atonal, but I would call it very modal. Uh, I don't know what either of those mean. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> atonal means... One In other words, it wasn't it wasn't like meandering around around tone without direction. It knew where it was. Oh, there yeah. was actually a home here, and it was evident within the chorus. But it, it it's it's not. I'm not going to say uh, dissonant because it's not as if it was playing two at once. It was meandering between the tones, and that's what I really really liked here. And even though don't was... listen to enough music like that. Even though it was incredibly frantic, it wasn't without direction. It wasn't. There was a controlled chaos. Like this album does have lots of frantic moments, but it's definitely not without direction. This is a lot more reined in in its chaos than uh, it's contained within boundaries. It's a little bit slower. It's a little bit more reined in. Which is why I actually like it more because it was a little bit easier going down. Mm -hmm. And actually, compared to the severeness of this album, this was easily the most palpable, palpable, palpable. Of the tracks. This is the one that is the easiest one to swallow. Because it was the least... Well, this song was... Jar. It was least anger. There was still a lot of anger. There was still a lot of anger. It was still very jarring, but you were ready for it. It was releasing at this point. It wasn't... Well, well, I don't know. See, like... The name of the song is Outcome the Knives. It's it's, it's, Finally. It's it's the end. Right. Thematically, like, in albums like this, and whenever you see movies that have this kind of, like, revenge fantasy... By the end, there's always like a, a catharsis. Yeah. I don't it's, feel it's like kind this, of a resolution. This, there's no turning this, back at this there point. There was no catharsis. No, this was, this was, was kind of end. This was just kind of like, okay, now it's time. Like yeah. all the stuff I've been talking about, it's that, time. Now it's time for it to happen. No, I definitely <laughs> yeah. see that. There's no like, even though this is, I feel this is, I agree, this is a great concluding track. 
I don't feel it concludes anything. Like, there is no conclusion. It doesn't. This... And you know this because there are these weird tones that you mm-hmm. hear in the last track that I think John noticed again for the first time during this track. At the end, yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah, I, okay, at the very end of this track, I was like, oh, this is terrible. This is the problem I was talking about. And then uh, I was, it was pointed out to me, this was the actual tones from the first track. And then I went... Oh. oh, so it's like when you that's listen, yeah. solid. That actually makes a lot more sense. It, I, I He's forgave just it. He's saying that because he realized that he liked it earlier on, and then he has to change his opinion. Well, no, now. because no, no, no. The 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 tones from the first track and the tones from this track do not mesh, but the callback is forgivable. But the callback to, but, is verbatim. Like it is the same exact. Yeah. No, no, no. But I'm saying yeah. it's forgivable to include that in this track. Had it been something unique and similar, I would not have liked it. If you put I repeat enjoy, I on the album, though, it goes right back into itself again. That's kind of meta. I don't know, but, like, <laughs> but like every single track both flows and the album flows. So you can put this on and forget to turn it off for weeks, right, which I've definitely from the end to the beginning, and then when you look at the names of the songs, you know, yeah. and now come the knives, goes back into, I did a terrible thing. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. I, I, would say, I would safely say... And, and we'll probably get to wrapping up soon, but I would safely say that this album has one of the strongest themes by li- by by content and by song title of all of every album. Of a very album we've this ever This is done. the strongest arc. This isn't an arc. This is a full circle. This is everything. Yes, it's a complete a work. And that means that this is the only podcast where we actually get to use the word meta, and we're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's very <laughs> cyclical. It's very this this, and right. that's why I think that this album would function better. As an album, As an al- and that's why you're saying it, at the end you feel that like the the story didn't end. You didn't. It didn't. Yeah. While it was summing it up, it didn't come to a conclusion because it's just looping back to the beginning. It's not. It's not the end. It's not the end of his like feelings. A, it's like a terrible over. relationship. You're just yeah. stuck there. And and in my Watching head, the thing is, yeah. at this point, by the last track, I had this kind of. I was like, this is too long, I've kind of had enough. But I don't think it's because it was bad. I think it's because emotionally, I just had enough at that You're point. You lost it. Yeah. Like, I just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. And but, considering, like, on a personal note, for me today, I didn't have a great day. So listening to an emotionally charged album like this, it didn't hit me at first. The first couple tracks, I'm like, oh, this is kind of intense, but I'm not really feeling anything. But by the end, I was exhausted because it would drag me through the dirt pretty much. You know, and, and and I think, honestly, that that's more powerful than a lot of things that I can think of that we've talked about, especially on specific albums. I would I would compare this these guys to uh, Modest Mouse in composition and singing style. I would compare this to Mindless Self-Indulgence and Suicide Machine in a pure ability to create emotions and emotional tone. This is a very interesting album, and I'm going to start... Our wrap up. I I got it's it's so solid, but the nitpicks are gonna drag it down a little. The weird voiceovers at parts of the album did hurt some of the flow, um, and the voice his voice got drowned out in so many of the songs. That's why we, we I didn't really talk about lyrics and vocals in too many of these tracks. It the 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 instruments were just so overpowering at parts. I could not get with it. I just couldn't go with it, but the, the the solidity of the theme is just amazing. The ability to convey these emotions is just amazing. I, I, I love that part of it. It's jarring. It's something different. This is not by any stretch mainstream. This is very, very experimental. Yeah. There's also... Um... 
And I'd almost, just going back to what you said, I, I think I'd compare this, it's almost like going to an opera. The problem you have with the voice is like, you can't understand the language. And when he screams in certain ways, I can't hear what he's saying, there is a problem with the message coming across perfectly. But, luckily, it's conveyed through the music. Because anyone who goes through an opera, you're not going to have trouble figuring out the theme of a certain aria. Everything will be expressive on his face, and it's, it's perfectly expressive in all the tones that they're using. So it really is uh, experimental expressionism, a modern version of it. I'm more inclined to actually compare this to uh, that neoclassical stuff of the 20s than I am to compare it, like in, in, in theme and form, than I am to compare it to any modern band. Now there's one thing, other thing I'm going to have to compare. I'm going to have to talk about the theme here. There's no culmination, which makes this a circular track, but there's no ending to it, which I find to be a problem. I, I, I don't think it's... We had albums yeah. before where we had sort of an ellipsis on an ending. It's, it's less of a open. problem because it does bleed right back into the first track. This is something, like we said, we can do on loop. But... It doesn't change. It, it's at one level. This album is one level throughout all the songs. And that's high anger. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. Because that actually is a big critique that I had. And that's that sometimes, even when they appear to be getting more mainstream, and I, like I said, I think that's only inherent within the rhythm and the, the, the style they use with the guitar and bass. Um, that's very indicative of, of 90s rock, basically. Um... It's sort of such that it becomes so consistent and almost hypnotic at times that I have no choice but to leave my focus on that and instead focus on the discord, which then does become bothersome after a series of tracks. Not so much in, in just one given track, because they do so many other things, like, like I said, with sound, and they include this here, that there, all of a sudden there's a violin, all of a sudden there's a piano, that I, I'm generally interested in the course of one track, but it is true that over the course of the album that sort of hurts itself, because it is one tone, just like you said. It's that one solid, discordant tone. Which I realize is the point, it's just a matter of how it, ease of listening is hurt a little bit. No? So, what do you think you would give this album, then? Alright. And then we'll come back to John. Given everything I've me. said, I'm gonna put it at a four. It's a very solid four, for honestly, mostly the theme. The theme is what really ties everything together. It's listenership that prevents it from being... Because otherwise, if it was just for form and, and the message that they're driving at and the way that the story's told and the creativity, this would be well up in the upper fours. It's only hurt by listenership. I felt that some choices were just not quite on point. First and foremost is the voice. The voice just does become a little bit harsh at times. I'm not sure... I'm not sure every song needed to be sung that way. There are a few songs, John, where you mentioned that, like, ah, oh, this is how he should be singing, right? Yeah. And I felt that too many times throughout the album. It's like, you can achieve the, uh, the visceral and the gritty without necessarily like, breaking the diaphragm of the microphone. That's a problem. And it's that listenership that drags it, um, you know, not in the upper echelon of the four, but more to the lower echelon. It's, 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 it's a solid album, and it's a great idea. I just... You know, expressionism is walking a very fine line. Four. Ditto. <laughs> I have nothing to add. I have absolutely nothing to add. I agree 100%. Four oh exact God. same is, is, is reasons. This, uh, this is definitely a, 
uh, one for the archives. Yeah, we, we agree. Who would have thought such an angry album would, would bring you guys together? You so, know, well, we usually have similar ideas. That's the kind of friendship so, we no, have. No, we, we rate <laughs> things. We tend to rate things the same, but we have a completely different reasons. Yeah. So, for me, this record, one thing that this record's done that I don't know that any other record that we've ever listened to did, but it it thoroughly creeped me out and made me uncomfortable. Especially the tail end. Like, I, I actually felt anxious towards the end of the album, which is the point. And that's why, as far as album art goes, this gets five stars for album art. Like, just an oh, arc yeah. by no, itself. That, that it has clear. the strongest arc of any album we've ever listened to. Um, because it just... I mean, it, it achieved exactly what it set out for. And, and by the end, I... Didn't want to, like, the last track, I had no patience anymore. I didn't want to listen, and not necessarily because it was bad. It was just, I was so unnerved by the whole record. I was just, and and then it ended, and I, I was like, that's it? Like, I waited all this time, and I don't even get anything at the end? Like, it was just kind of this fade out with this obnoxious sound that's in the beginning of the, uh, you know, in the first song. And it was, and it, it really kind of made me realize they that this band, they set out for something, and, and, and they got it. Um... But it's not my personal taste. I like certain tracks on the album, but as a whole, I don't know that I would listen to this again. But but I appreciate what they're doing, and it doesn't bring it down because I don't personally like it, because I understand it. Um, you know, other albums that I haven't liked in the past, it those are more about, well, this is just terrible, and I don't like it. Yeah, you, you know, Matt rates you, on taste. Surprise, surprise. Well, <laughs> it's not just taste, though. Because the thing that's really hiking it up above and beyond a lot of other albums is emotionally, which is what I rate on, this album hit the mark. five, Almost five stars running as far as emotion, emotion goes. Because it made me feel uncomfortable, unnerved, angry, anxious. And that's, that's the emotion it's sending out to convey. And it did it so clearly for all of us. You know, some people felt it more than others, but we all agree that's there. What's Very the, clearly. What's the consensus? So, so for for me, I give it an even four as well. Wow! Because even though it's not my personal taste, it it hits the emotional mark, which I'm always looking for in an album, and is a big score for me. The album mark is unbelievable compared to anything else we've ever listened to on the uh, on the on the podcast. And 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 uh, and to top it all, the and I said at the beginning they play quote-unquote, bad notes, well. And the notes aren't bad, but they play these awkward sounds and these strange combinations, but they make them work. Whereas bands like Flying Lotus, which we talked about, which have these strange, awkward moments that just yeah, and fall that's flat. Gonna be that's going to be the, uh, the note that I'm going to leave on here. Because what, with what you said... Um with what you said about album arc, I agree with you 100%. This is a five-star for album arc as well as... Um, as well as theme and everything else. And that's why I really want to thank you guys for bringing this album to the table because I've been wanting an album like this, something in that expressionist... Uh, a true art piece. A true art yeah, piece, absolutely. exactly. This is what I've wanted, but I've tried to sort of port things off and it hasn't always worked. Because and I hate artsy-fartsy stuff, and this is artsy-fartsy that I love. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Because the problem is, we, you know, we don't usually do old albums, things that people are familiar with. We kind of just shoot in the dark and pick an album, and I think something like, all right, that this has potential, and then we listen to it, and it's got a whole, a whole mess of problems, and uh, I've definitely tortured them with that stuff. So. Yes. Yeah, well, but I mean, yeah. I'm... I, I got your back. I made you listen to Green Day. 
That's true. That is, a, I think that's a yeah. fair. Uh, but to be fair, also Have that guys... Green album of which we've talked to death was terrible. So it's also terrible. Did you guys? Did you guys torture. hear the new the Uno and Dos? I haven't heard. I haven't heard of they are. Don't either. listen. Don't skip it. Uh, just I, I wouldn't listen to them anyway. I heard the lead single <laughs> off of Uno here. and I couldn't handle it. No, it gets worse. That is the most inventive of the songs. That's the, song. the best really? song on that yeah. record. Yeah, I love it. Um, but anyway, and I so. I still, still love, love Green Day. There's no use to. I still love I Green Day. I never loved Green Day. No one cares what Steve <laughs> thinks about this. This is this is, their, this is the George Lucas prequel trilogy of Green Day. Yeah, oh. that's exactly what it is. Oh, I agree God. wholeheartedly. That's Paris is wrong on so many levels. Please, let's move on to the new topic. We have the Wall Street players here today. Hey guys, I, yep. happy thoughts. Um, Do you want so, happy thoughts after this album? So <laughs> I, I, I I want to welcome you guys back. I'm glad that you're on the podcast again. We have, of course, lots of questions about last time you guys here. You were there were mumbles of a new record, and I know that you guys have made some progress on it and have a, uh, a bit to tell us about that and how that's going. So why don't you give us a little background on how the new album recording's going? So uh, it's definitely very much in progress. We are in the studio recording it. We've laid a couple of tracks down. I think we're going to actually play one at the end of the. Uh, of the podcast? Yes, um, you had mentioned that you would like to give us Gainsta yep. um, to play, which we will feature a raw version of that recording at the end of this podcast. Um, we thank you for that, giving us a chance to, to play that for our listeners. Um, this will probably be the only way anyone ever hears the raw version of it, since uh, that's, that's not going to be the final version. Right. Which I, which as long as also, they get through an hour's worth of us talking. Which I'm also... Just a little bit of a that. price. I don't know. If you want to think 99 cents on iTunes is worth that, but you know. But, but, uh, but I'm also excited to hear that, because then I can hear the final version when the album comes out and compare, which will be really And complain cool. about how bad that version yeah. they gave oh, us. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Or, um, what did we do with it? That's so not what they really sound like. Previously talking to you guys everybody I, I love the bear i know that you guys were working on one called the bull yes i have to ask about this one is it actually going to be a duality are they direct relations or is this just a new track they definitely play off each other it's a completely different track um it's still we're writing it as we speak mm-hmm. but Oh, hi, microphone. <laughs> so, yeah, it is definitely... The microphone play- was running away from him. Just yeah, so that's what know. happened. That was the problem. Uh, the bull is a playoff of the bear. We do reference one in the other, and there are referential points throughout, but the songs are completely different thematically. They also are separated by about six years' time. Uh, we wrote one literally in 2006 and one 2007... What year is it? 2012 slash 13. So... You know, so we're working on the arc. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're working on the arc of the album. We're a different band yeah, now. Yeah, we're. Well, I had heard that also. I mean, I think it was a long rap expressionism. That... Is this going to be a new thing? Rap expressionism. Absolutely. Did Beastie Boys do that with that weird album? Which one? Um, you know, the one that's I'm talking the weird about. one. You mean yeah. like all of them? The I'm, not, I'm not aware of this. What is this? The, the, the pet sounds of Beastie Boys? Oh, I don't know. Gonna have Beastie Boys. Edit this later. Put the right answer in. Okay. Um, I know Alan also had mentioned to me that you guys are doing something a little more ambitious. You're going to be doing a full 17 track album. Is that correct? It's, it's We're working track? on 17. Or that's the goal right anyway. That's the, that's the goal right now. Um, you know, there might be a few interludes or sketches. No, which you know, is good. I mean, in between there, just to annoy Matt. Just well, no, truth, truth be told, the thing about interludes Hey, is, a speech from someone you don't know. <laughs> truth be told, the interludes, I find that interludes, depending on the record, I like them if, depending on what they're going for. I mean, like, to bring up, since I know you guys listen, I know that, uh, you know, Shave of the Dark Lord, MC Frontalot, Law, uh, MC Lodge, they all do 
mostly comedy interludes and sketch kind of interludes, which I love, especially if they get me to laugh. Um, you know, and that kind of stuff I like. It's just interludes that are kind I don't know. I, I'm funny about interludes. It really depends. Depends on what they consist of. Whether you should I like be them using or not. like Nancy Pelosi or something like that. I'm sure you could find some speeches <laughs> on like C-SPAN for this. C-SPAN interludes. Well, that's, that's going to keep people interested in our record. <laughs> yeah. If used to, properly, just really, really, really popular with the poli sci uh, crowd. I got yeah. a. Yeah. <laughs> I got another question. Are we going to get any more videos? Yes, absolutely. Well, of course, Ooh. every single one of our tracks has a backing video for our live show, and then we are developing a few ideas for presentation videos. Like YouTube. Yeah, like YouTube. Like YouTube. Okay. Every track we do like, has like, a video. Every like single track we do live has a video. Yeah. That's going to set you apart, because most people are not that ambitious. Well, it's, we, it do, we do a live video back set, and we have all the videos timed to the music so that when we play our show, it all comes through one source. But we do do different videos for the, you know, the YouTube crowd versus the live crowd. Hmm. Yeah, and I do remember that about your concert. It was definitely something that uh, set you apart a little bit. Well, that was one of my favorite parts it was enjoyable. about Great is Good live, is. was that you had that great video for that, and I thought that, that video was very well made, and it added to the live show experience. And that's been my favorite track so far that I've heard we, about you oh, since, the oh, last, yeah. since the last podcast, that we have seen them live, and the, the performance live, there's something I like about about you guys, and, and mostly, and I'm... This is kind of going to lead to my next question about nerdcore in general, but I like performers I see within the nerdcore crowd or just hip hop in general. It, if they have a lot of energy and they have a stage present, it way outweighs the album. Like I think I had said this to Doug after the performance. Your live stuff leaps and bounds better than the EP. Leaps and bounds because there's this Agreed. energy that you can't capture on a CD, and that's why I like certain certain live acts because you can't capture that live energy on a CD. And I definitely got that sense from you. We, we, we agree with you, and uh, we're hoping that, that the new album is going to sound a lot better than the EP. I think, I think so far it, it does, and you'll hear that just from the rough mix of, of Gangsta. Well, also considering it's been six years, there's definitely a lot of change in, in your knowledge of writing music as well as your talent with mixing and, and everything else. I'm sure you've learned a lot since then. Yeah, I think it's also just they've traveled together. around the world, you know. That's true. And also around the <laughs> yeah, block. Yeah. But um But that leads to the, the question that I wanted to ask at hand. So obviously I've mentioned on the podcast many times nerdcore rappers like MC Front a lot and, and Lars, like I mentioned earlier. Um, do you guys consider yourself a part of nerdcore? Because I mean I I personally would think that rapping about financials is pretty nerdy, you know? I'll say two things about this. One, we are technically are financial gangster rap. We right. are the premier band in this genre because we made it up. Want to be the best in the genre? Make, Make up, up a genre. genre. Yeah, that's true. In the world. Number two, you mentioned a bunch of key bands. I mean, Frontalot made up Nerdcore pretty much. He was yeah. the founder of it. He's fantastic. And you go to the other guys, like, what do they do? I mean, MC Lars is doing literary hip-hop, lit-hop stuff, whatever. Sheik for the Dark Lord does ridiculous songs about murdering people. Like, he's fantastic, but what makes <laughs> Doug likes that. Yeah, Doug is smiling. <laughs> what, what makes these artists nerdcore? nerdcore yeah. And I think I think Schaefer said it great in, in some interview where he was saying how he didn't say he was nerdcore, the fans did. When your fans are all a bunch of nerds, that kind of helps you become nerdcore. When you're a bunch of nerds, I mean, hey, we're two-thirds men, so not me here, that we're, you know, us being nerds. And half a Jew. That's not me either. So, you know, being nerdcore is... More about how you are, I think. We're, yeah. we're nerdy kids, rapping, we make our beats, whatever, you know. 
Am I happy to be in this genre? Sure. Is there a technical, like, you're in it or you're not based on this category? I don't think there is that strict of a... It's true. Where, where do you de- define the, the line of nerd? Really? I think well, you use the word nerd. Nerd is, nerd is any interest. And, and that was usually... kind of a music nerd way of putting it, so I think, you know, that kind of... <laughs> That's pretty encompasses well, you just uh, locked and, and yourself honestly, in. The, the, just the, locked I, I'll push on my glasses a bit and say, when I interviewed Schaefer the Dark Lord, I actually <laughs> asked him to say... I had asked Schaefer the same question, and he pretty much said, and I don't know if you read it from my article, he said elsewhere before, and he said the same response elsewhere, but he pretty much said that. He said, he's happy to be lumped in with them and to be accepted by the fans as part of Nerdcore, but he's trying, He's especially on his new record he said that he's working on, when I had spoken to him last, he said he's trying to define himself as his own entity, but he's more than happy to, to be a part of that, but he also wants to be his own thing. And I, I definitely read your articles, so I might have pulled from there also, but I thought it was some great words. I no, yeah, no, it makes sense. I think we're, we're, we're all fans of, of Nerdcore, so right. it, yeah. you know, it, it, it can't hurt to uh, right. yeah, be those, grouped into something that you're a fan of anyway. Those guys are definitely influences on us. I mean, they've been doing it for longer than we have. I think when it comes down to it, Matt, Matt's question is trying to prepare you for the inevitable, because people will judge you and put you in a, uh, in a category, yeah. whether you like it or not. That's fine. So. But, the, but no, but James makes a really good point, actually, about, about creating his own uh, um, genre to be the number one in the genre. Um, um, MC Fernal actually did a, a, a gag sketch about that with Will Wheaton. Yes, that was the, the shellfish core rap. Which, um, but uh, totally lost, completely lost my train of thought of where I was going. So, John, I gotta say, you guys, it, it's nerdcore. I would consider tongue in cheek primarily. That that's gonna be one of the focuses of it. You guys actually do rap about very serious things. It's done ton and cheap, but not all of it. Your lyrics are... I thoroughly enjoy your lyrics. Good, thank you. That's that's mm-hmm. a big thing with me, and that's a big thing with hip-hop. And uh, it's... it's Like, you're drawing some of the stuff from New York Times. I mean, you're not going to... I wouldn't call nerdcore Times material. Um, there are songs that the artists have done that are more intelligent than others. I mean... There's Chicken Duck. Chicken Duck Goose or whatever that song. No, Monkey. Monkey Chicken you Duck. You mean wasn't Mike by Furman? a nerdcore rapper yes. at all? Mike Furman. Mike Furman, but, who has nothing to do with nerdcore but at all. that's nerdcore. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. It's not. Yeah, you it is. Na- no, name- that's comedy. Yeah, that's comedy. No, it's not the same thing. You're wrong. Because I've listened to these artists, and they do have intelligent songs. They have tongue-in-cheek as well. But you can't compare them to just gags, because they're not. Well, the funny... Here's actually a good paraphrase. You mentioned... Frontalot and Lars, and Frontalot has a movie called Nerdcore Rising, where Lars is interviewed in that movie, and yes. one of the things he says is, the trick is to be funny without being a joke. And that's kind of something I've kind of held on to since I watched the documentary many years ago, is to be funny without being a joke. And that's another important thing. That's what I was trying to go for. Okay. That's what sure. He was a lot more sure eloquent you were. than you This is why he can take over my you spot anytime. You're not going to trouble when James is you, but more articulate. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, words are so hard. No, no, John has his moments. Them, speaking them, thinking them. No, I said yes. some really John, difficult John was really, John was really, really good uh, two weeks ago. And they kept making fun of me for it. It was like I was like I said like a five syllable word. Correct. He just became Rain Man for night. And they and they looked at me and they were like and I was like is that the right word and they wouldn't say anything. It really hurt my feelings. <laughs> that I'm coming up with these great points and like. I was like, you tell I'm me, like, Mr. Smarty Pants. I think you know words, huh? I have to ask the requisite question, which, if you don't have an answer, it's fine. But do we have a release date or a release window for the album? 
So this year. Yeah, okay. Well, Which quarter? This year. Actually, we, oh, the good question. So January. Good question. We were planning on the beginning of quarter two uh, this year. Our original goal was April 15th. If the album is not out by April 15th, something will be. Whether it okay. be mm-hmm. single, something, whatever. It's is that date Wait, important? tax day? We yeah. Always, yeah. Tax day. We always oh, do a big I thought so. Good choice. We always do a big show on Is that our sixth day. annual? I think show? it's our seventh coming up I'll this know. year. Yeah. Something like that. But, uh, but okay, well, that's good to know. Are there any other e- economic day? holidays that I you love, uh, I love the economic holidays you guys got going. Yeah. Labor Day, is anything for Labor no, Day? No, Black Boxing Friday, day, I think, could no. be oh. Friday. Friday. I think well, that would be We did do Bastille Day last year. We did yeah. play Bastille, Bastille Day. Bastille, Tax, and Black Friday. You could just I think Black Friday would be a great day to do a show as well. Be in front of Best Buy at like 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't want to go outside on Black Friday. Yeah, I know, I know. I worked retail a million years ago. I never want to leave the house. No, I concur with that. I'm in it would be such a guaranteed yeah, audience, though, for people that have nothing else to do. Yeah, like, true. if you pulled up to a Best audience. Buy with a van blasting the music and just start performing, I mean, they're not going anywhere. Like, don't go to Walmart, because they, they're not going to appreciate it. That's, yeah. If yeah. you're at Best Buy, you're already spending a few Actually, more dollars. Actually, you, you probably should, considering, you know, your, your, your venture capitalists and such, you should probably consider a Nordstrom or a Lord & Taylor, maybe. They don't have the lines, though. I don't think people line up at Nordstrom. Yeah, I don't know that I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, well, I don't probably. I don't even know where George is. <laughs> I, I was, I was hoping. There's, I know one in Jersey. Jersey. Yes, yeah, be some guy with his poodles at <laughs> three o'clock in the morning. You know, there's always the the giant Macy's in Herald Square. I'm sure people line up. True. Um, well, okay. Well, I mean, as long as we have something to look forward to this year, at least that's new. Um, I'd be very excited to know about that. But. Um, is there anything that you want to share with your fans as far as stuff coming up or um, anything you want to promote? I'd say stay tuned. The album is coming. The Tax Day show will uh, will be here. We'll uh, you know once once we get that straightened out, we'll give you guys the the info if you want to. Yeah, absolutely. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and we. we throw out information every so often. Actually, that was another thing I had wanted to ask. Obviously, you guys have day jobs or you're in school or both. Um, Do you guys plan on going on tour? Have you talked about going on tour? Is this something that you guys would want to do? We would love to. We would love if uh, one of those great artists that you mentioned before would invite us out on tour. Um, For the groupies. It's mostly for the groupies. For the groupies, of course. Obviously. Um, You know... Like you said, we have day jobs and we have school, so it probably wouldn't uh, be something that we could do full-time, but we would love to play somewhere outside of the Staten Island area. Okay, <laughs> well, well, that's, that's definitely something I think. I think that if you look for it, there are... St- I mean, obviously, you live in New York. There are great small venues in Manhattan and Brooklyn and yep. Queens, and I, I really think that you guys would be able to get gigs there if you look into it. I mean, it's definitely something that I would you should consider in the future. Yeah, no, I think we definitely want to do, we want to focus on finishing the album so we can bring it with us to that, these venues. That, that makes sense. And then, and then get yourself a pimp. I mean, um, um, advertising, dude. And get yourself out there. And that would be awesome because I'll be able to go to all those shows. Yeah. I'll skip work. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I don't skip work. enough work. <laughs> so in, in closing and wrapping up, um, I want to say up. again, um, the, the song that we're going to feature after the podcast is over, we're going to play Gainsta. Which is a rough cut of the uh, of the track that will be featured on the later album coming out this year. But before we get to closing completely, I would like to have Steve do our weekly uh, fan email read. Ah, hmm. uh, yes. All right. This week, I won't say the name yet. Oh, you're not going to tell us the author. You're going to read the wonderful work first. 
Yes. Okay. <clears throat> if you are like a lot of people, you can simply overlook this. The real truth comes with being honest with yourself and your goals. Generally, this will lead to a mistaken and unproductive life. By tote bag article. Well, thank you, tote bag article. Um, we're not going to take this under advisement. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're never going to take no, these under advisement. No, um, no. screw actually, you, that was, no, tote bag. I, I, I did not even know, but this is a really, really depressing one. And yeah. they're actually they're yelling at us. No, it, it fits to, with today's theme. It's a little bit too long to fit on it in a fortune cookie slip. So they <laughs> a little had bit. to write it somewhere else. <laughs> Um, and apparently like being he, honest, what I get from this is that being honest with yourself and your goals will lead to a mistaken and unproductive life. That's the way this reads. Yeah. Screw you. Right? I don't like them. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I think they have some existentialist angst. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think, honestly, though, that, that very depressing <laughs> comment, <laughs> very, very much very works, much so works, works for this podcast, theme. I mean, yes. the theme of the, the album. Too much paper chase, but uh, we should start wrapping up. Of course, as always, please, uh, we have a donate button. Feel free to donate. It will help improve the podcast, leaps and bounds. Um, always check us out on Facebook and Twitter and write comments and send us emails, the whole nine. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, keep an eye out for the Wall Street players. Um, we have an art- another article, f- um, and um, as well as a podcast featuring them, where we have links to all of their websites and whatnots, which we will try and include as well in this podcast. Who's it's and whatnots? Yeah, well, uh, who's he what's? But um, but in closing, I would like to have um, James wrap for us um, our closing line with a fun twist, if you would. <laughs> oh, he was all right. <clears throat> Music is life, and life is good. Crash Chorus Podcast, you understood. Thank you, James, and thank you, everybody. Good night. My name is Future Money, better learn a chip fast I'm out of my time, man, you're out of my class I made all my money when the stock market crashed But my time machine broke, so now I'm stuck in the past But now the past is past, and so has the future So my future is the past of my future past future Confused? You should be, cause Prof I wrote those lines With Zeppelin time signatures and MF Doom rhymes Your Prof, show it's how it's done and don't be lax Rock this motherfucking beat with your ill syntax Contradict the contrapositive, defenestrate the facts Make this apologies to fallacies with wordplay attacks Relax, you're a sub- Positions incomplete. You stumbled, now you meet. That's lying at my feet, not the street. But with an air of suspense, well, the purpose of intent. You're in path of present tense. Yo, prof. What? You ain't even making sense. Forget sense. I got coming dollars. Forget popping collars. I'll be popping at the coppers. Making so much more than copper, I can see any collar. Cause I'm setting precedents. Got my power within the president. So many presidents. Dead and green in the back of my wallet. Never to deny the player profit profit. Not quite a gangster, stock market prankster Living the dream on the way to the bankster Gangster? I'm a gangster Calling in false tips, manufactured loose lips Watch the market shake up as I sink all the ships Gangster? Yo, they say to me, who is he? That's my dog goes by who's he? What you ask, he puts you to task Who's he? What's in his shade, you bask? What you think you're doing? It's only you you're screwing. I know your temper's doing, but my entire cruising. You got future money, profit, then you got me. The who's he was DJ of the dub SP. Gangsta? 
Damn right I'm a gangster. Now I rush to the mic like 2112. Wall Street players taking care of selves, taking care of wealth. And about you, we don't care your health. Take our share and shelf. All concerns for others, best watch yourself. Yeah, maybe strapped with gats, you're still strapped for cash. Wall Street players ain't your average cats. Straight popping caps. Caps like a capital full knot, like your coffee set best. Keep your eyes open while your fools are taking naps. And you know we ain't sleeping cause the city never does It's not who you're gonna be, it's who you were and never was You might have had a little buzz, but they straight clapped out Wall Street players leave your ass tapped out I'm a gangster, not quite a gangster Stock market prankster, living the dream On the way to the bankster, gangster I'm a gangster, calling in false tips, manufactured loose lips. Watch the market shake off as I sink all your ships. Gangster? Invest the little we had, made it more than we could use. But you gotta be careful with the stocks you choose. You see, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. But you gotta play the market when the payout is your muse. I stay down with Dow Jones, cause it's the place to be. Heart of the world, financial, down at NYC. I rock the London Exchange and both TSEs. But the NYSE is always home to me. Money's under your mattress, no return to dividends. Interest don't get made, hitting the nest of your bed. Anchor way down with gold, and it may as well be lead. You wanna start getting paid? Listen to your Wall Street friends, cause we know all about the Bear. And when you must diversify, and we know all about the bull. And when the limit is the sky, we know all about the risk. So scary that you'll cry. Yeah, living check the chest, struggling just to get by. I'm a gangster, not quite a gangster. Stock market prankster, living the dream on the way to the bankster. Gangster, I'm a gangster, going in both tips, no you're Wall Street players keep keeping on up, creep creeping on up, and not giving up till we take over the world down. Nikkei, what's up?